0: Welcome to Momentum Church. Welcome this morning to our fifth week in the Floor is Lava series. How many has been enjoying this series? Yeah, 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 yeah. This has been a series that we've had a lot of people watching online and reaching out to us and stuff, and and it just speaks to my heart as a pastor. Some people say in today's day and age, people can't take strong word, you know? In today's day and age, people can't take strong truth. I'm here to tell you that is a lie, amen? Amen? Y'all are ready to receive what God has for you, aren't you? You're ready to listen, to uh, uh, receive it, and then to act upon it. And and that's awesome. And so that's the kind of people I want to be. Amen? Not a perfect people, but a perfecting people. Amen? Amen. You want that for yourselves? Y'all look like I'm trying to sell you a used car. All right, let's open our Bibles this morning to Revelation chapter 2. We're going to go to verse 18, and we'll get there here in a second. Years ago, I was asked to come and preach at the, the, the women's reformatory in Ohio and the chaplain for the reformatory went to our church. And so I got to go there several times, but the very first time I went there to preach, this real sweet African-American lady came up to me. She was just so precious and she had to be in her mid fifties at the time. And she came up and she was the one that hosted me. Like she took Pastor Ross, come over here. Pastor Ross, come over here. Pastor Ross, we're going to do this. Pastor Ross, you can't do that. You know, stuff like that, you know. And, um, And so... We do the ministry that night. Powerful. I mean, God just moved in that reformatory. Those women would shout you down. It was incredible, you know. And so when the service is over and everything's done, you know, um, I go home. The next day I'm talking to Pam. I'm asking, how did you think the day went? The evening went. And she was saying it went great and blah, blah, blah. And then she says, the lady that was your hostess, do you realize what she had done? Why she was in there? And I I had no clue. She said that, that for years, her husband was a Abusive to her and she had decided the next time that man was drunk she was going to take care of that man and so he passed out on the bed and she took an embroidery thread with embroidery needle and sewed him into the mattress of the bed and then beat him to death Everybody's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to applaud that or if I'm supposed to like, like be taken back by that. I mean I, was ta- I mean, I was just like, part of me was like, yeah, that was ingenious. This man ain't going to do this to me no more. Part of me was like, that lady's scary but she wasn't. She was changed by the power of Jesus, and she was so precious, has a life sentence. When you hear a story like that, you may think, well, yeah, no, she deserves that kind of a thing. It's almost justified, but in some ways, and in some ways, it's deserved, but then you hear of other women that do things, and this isn't a bash on women day, all right? Amen? But but then I hear a story of a woman who who began to slowly poison her husband for his $300,000 life insurance policy. And over time, she begins to slowly poison this guy. For more than a year, this woman poisoned her husband, Robert Curley. And so you can see Joanne, she's putting a drop of thallium. Thallium is a, a chemical element that is one of the periodic table chemicals. It's used to be in like rat poisoning and she's putting a little bit of that in his stuff every day she systematically coated her husband's food and drink containers with this poison for about a year you know so on one side you see a woman who just like goes at it and it's done this woman just is slowly poisoning her husband over a year to death now, he complained of debilitating pain in the palms of his hands and the soles of his feet. Toward the end of this time, he, he begins to vomit, his hair starting to fall out. I mean, this is something that the body cannot tolerate. Now, here's the thing about it. <clears throat> the body can tolerate a lot. Not if you're sewn into a mattress and beaten with a bat. Okay, I get it. But when it comes to poison, the body can tolerate a lot, but that doesn't mean it's good for the body, right? A, po- a body can tolerate a little poison over time. And that's what's going on with the church we're going to look at today. Let's stand to our feet. That's what's going on with the church of Thyatira. The church of Thyatira has been a church that has just had a little bit of poison introduced over and over and over. And Jesus comes to reveal to john the revelator as he writes this verse 18 and to the angel of the church in thyatira write the words of the son of god who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze i can tell already i'm not i'm not gonna be able to read all this without preaching so i'm gonna go ahead and pray and get you guys seated is that okay today because we have a bunch of verses we're gonna read and i want to preach on everything Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just are ready to receive from you. Would you speak to our heart? Challenge us today. And Lord, let us be those with listening ears to hear and to respond in your name, Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. So we see here, as I've told you every week, the revelation of who Jesus is at the beginning of these scriptures gives us a little bit of a picture of what the church needs. So here we see it's the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire, whose feet are like burnished Bronze, burnished bronze, modern, we, we would call that brass, basically, okay? And and that idea, that bronze, that brass, it plays a very important part in the Old Testament. You can see in the Old Testament, both in the tent of meeting and in the temple, you can see this brass bronze basin to wash your hands you can see those things happening it's, it's it's you can see the bronze and the brass in the altar all those kinds of things the the washing basins were made of bronze um, also when you look at the tent of meeting the feet the poles that held up the tent were made of of bronze there at the tent of meeting and so here we're seeing this idea of brass and the feet of Jesus being like Brass, and it's reminding us of a couple things. That brass or brazen altar, that place you would wash your hands, was a place where you would become holy to come into the presence of God. It was a place where he'd become holy to come in to interact with the things of the Lord. You, you could see the tent of meeting. That was set up specifically so that God could, could interact with Moses. Even before the tabernacle was founded, the tent of meeting was put together. And it would be outside of kind of the camp of the people, outside of that place of sin, if you will. And, and God would come and visit. His Shekinah glory would show up. And you would see like literally the pillar of cloud that would guide them by day and the fire at night. The pillar of cloud would just encompass the tent of meeting. It was a place where man met God. Don't you think that any of our heart wants to challenge the place where we meet God? I'm not talking about just the church. I'm just saying in general, our life and that connection we have with the holy God. And yes, I know Jesus shed his blood and it covers our sins, but there is something. This is a New Testament scripture here. There's something going on that, yes, your sins might be covered, but there's something going on that is robbing you from the fullness of what God has for your life. And so we can see here the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. I believe that meeting place said they're talking about where, where God meets and then with you. And then when he meets with you, his gaze like that of fire You know, his gaze, it goes and gazes into our lives. He sees how we ought to be living. He sees how those things that are not a part of our life or those things that are a part of our life that shouldn't be. He sees those things with those flaming eyes and those things we should allow him to burn out of our lives. Amen. And so a lot of this revelation is we're looking at a world that is facing a lot of lava, if you will. It's easy to look at the world and say, bad world, you know, but I want us to look into ourselves God, what's going on here? What am I keeping from you? What are you trying to burn out of my life? What do you see with your gaze that you're trying to burn out of my life that I might meet with you more, more fully? This is important because over time, we won't walk as God would have us to walk if we make excuses for the things in our life that we know we ought to allow God to burn out of our lives. Over time, we'll make those excuses. And I, I, I read in one commentary, I thought this was great, that it speaks of feet and eyes here. And the reason why is because our feet take us to the place where our eyes are focused. His feet were holy and his eyes were a fire. And his feet could take us to that place of holiness. And it's no different in our lives. Our feet take us where our eyes focus in other words, our vision controls our walk, and, and sometimes that vision gets skewed. Sometimes we need God to come in on a sermon like this and just challenge us. What are we allowing to creep in that is robbing us from experiencing the best that God has for us personally and for his church? Now, it was a good church. You're a good church. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm better than most believers, I got your attention there, didn't I? Everybody's like, what did he just say? You know, no, no, you're better than most. I get that. Like, everybody feels that way, don't we? Like, we look at ourselves and go, I'm, I'm not like that guy. I mean, my sin isn't good, but it's not. I'm not sinning like Dave. Love you, David. You know? I'm not saying that's right, but we live that kind of life. I mean, people live that way, looking, and man, the only one we're supposed to be comparing ourselves to is Jesus, right? Not perfect, but being perfected. And so Jesus comes along, and I love this, because here's the revelation. He honors us for what we're doing. He goes, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. There's some good stuff that you guys are doing. I just, I'm worried about you. And I would think with Jesus looking at the church in 2021, there's some good things that you have, but I'm worried about you. What is that that he's worried about? I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. If you remember our sermon last week, the church that we looked at was the church of compromise, and it was living a compromised lifestyle. In the area of moral and religious compromise. That's what the idea of sexual morality and eating food sacrificed to idols. Both of those things speak directly to what they are. But also symbolically to just all things moral and all things religious that we can find compromise in. Verse 21. I gave her time to repent. I love that about Jesus. Jesus. Doesn't come and jerk the, the, the rug out from under us when we're struggling. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I'll throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. Repentance is real, people. And I will strike your children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. Those are those those flaming eyes. And I will give to each one according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned that some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. So, so, Ross, are you saying that there's people that can experience the Christian faith and can walk in the best that God has? Or they can experience the Christian faith, proclaiming it and miss God's best. Even maybe even walk in some of God's judgment. I, I'm saying that. I'm not saying that. that the scripture saying that. But I thought God treats us all equal. No, no. He is not a respecter of persons. The principles of scripture apply to everyone equally. And if you sow to sin, you will reap the harvest of sin. If you sow to righteousness, you'll reap the harvest to righteousness. And God is not a respecter of persons. He will allow that seed sown to reap that harvest. You want to be on the right side of that that harvest. Amen? So only hold fast. What you have until I come, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with the rod of iron, as when earth and pots are broken in pieces. Even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. That's referring to the person of Jesus. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to the churches. So this church, Thyatira, is the tolerant church. Everybody say the tolerant church. And, and these things, I know they kind of mesh. That compromising church of last week and the tolerant church of this week. They, they do. They kind, of, they kind of mesh. Pergamum being, being compromised and Thyatira being tolerant. And these eyes like a flame of fire look into the tolerance of the church, what the church is tolerating. Jesus is using his vision to see beneath the surface of his church. He's using his vision to see beneath their good works. He's using his vision to see beneath their love and their faith. I mean, all of these are good things, but he's seen. And he's focusing in on something that has become a problem in his church. This is 2,000 years ago, and I believe he's still focusing in on this problem at times with us. He sees what this certain woman is doing. Watch in Revelation 2 verse 20. But I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. You tolerate this woman Jezebel who is causing you to have moral and spiritual or religious, if you want to say, compromise. Now, when I was growing up, how many, some of you guys were raised, anybody raised old-fashioned Pentecost? Any, any, any few, a few people, okay. But when I was raised up, it was kind of like, you know, if they had makeup on, that was a Jezebel. You know, my dad, thank God he broke from that. And he was always like, if a, if a barn needs paint and paint it, you know, that's, that was the stuff my dad, I would never say that. I wouldn't, because the flames of the one who has pierced my heart has burnt that out of my life, and I would never, but my dad, you know, he would, he, he's old school. He would say that, but, but no, that is, everything made you a Jezebel. You know what I'm saying? Everything, and everything was blamed on the Jezebel. She made me do it kind of a thing, and, and we're going to get you, help you understand what this means by this, this, this woman Jezebel, but he says, I have this against you, and it's not, I'm against Jezebel. Jezebel's doing what Jezebel does. There's always going to be a spirit of Jezebel that is trying to rise up throughout all the centuries, trying to rise up to cause compromise. Always. Okay, Look in the book of Proverbs. It personifies this woman that is trying to draw you in contrast to the the wisdom that is trying to draw you. That's the spirit of Jezebel, if you will. It's this spirit that's trying to cause compromise, and that just takes different faces. But that's not what Jesus is coming against because there's always going to be demonic stuff that we deal with. The thing is, he's saying deal with it. What he's coming against is that tolerance, He says, but I have this against you that you tolerate that woman, Jezebel. Do you see that? It's it's, it's laid upon the church. Again, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. It begins with us, all right? I have this against you. So to tolerate, what's that mean? It means to allow the existence, to allow the occurrence or practice of something without interference. And as a Christ follower, it, it can look like this. I see what this says, But I don't care to live it. I don't even care to try to live it. I I see what it says. And I'm going to struggle. How many of you are going to struggle living this? That's why we have the Holy Spirit. Amen. But just because we have the Holy Spirit helping us doesn't excuse us to say, but it's okay. It's all right for me to tolerate this moral and spiritual compromise. It's fine for me to do that because, you know, nobody's perfect. And, you know, the Holy Spirit's helping me. And and we'll let the Holy Spirit help you. Amen? We don't tolerate the spirit of Jezebel trying to bring this this sense that ah, we'll let it, we'll coexist with this sin rather than repent of it we'll coexist with this occurrence we'll coexist with this practice this thing we won't interfere with those things that god's like no rise up i've made you victorious over those things so tolerance though if you think about it it looks nice i mean if, I mean we're just being tolerant tolerant to the world tolerant to each other just you know they're just you know they're just new in their faith been saved 8 years You've heard me say that before. Sometimes you'll have somebody say, I wasn't raised in the church. You've been saved 12 12 years. You could have been a doctor by now. Spiritually. You know, so you could be a doctor in the things of the spirit by now. You know what I mean? Like, or physically, you could be a doctor in 12, right? And so, no, no. (laughs) I'm sorry. So, tolerance, it looks nice, but at what cost? Let me say it again. Tolerance, it looks sweet, it looks innocent. But at what cost? Let's go back to the story of Joanne Curry, who was poisoning her husband. So she's putting drops of thallium in her husband's food and containers and such. And by 1991, September, Robert Curley becomes hospitalized a year into this, this exposure to thallium. He's hospitalized with flu-like symptoms. But he begins to deteriorate rapidly over the next 10 days. What's wild is, as he's deteriorating, they kind of get a handle on it. He starts to make some improvements a little bit. And then she starts to come into the hospital, bringing him some special tea. She was bringing tea into the hospital with thallium in it. This Joanne's a gutsy, gutsy person. What a Jezebel. And so she brings thallium into his bedside in a thermos of iced tea as he lays dying in the hospital room. And by the time he died, yes, he died, he had 900 times the lethal dose of thallium in his system. Remember I told you a body can tolerate a lot? Listen, a body can tolerate a lot until it can't. Let that sit on you, okay? Okay. body can tolerate a lot until it can't there's there's no way harvest does not manifest eventually things that we sow into she sowed into putting drops and she reaped the harvest of her husband's death the problem is so often it's not somebody else poisoning us it's ourselves poisoning ourselves tolerating a little bit a little bit more a little bit more listen to this This is what he said the night before he died. Please help me. My wife is trying to kill me. She is not as she seems. That's that's what he said. And his heart, the affidavit said, his heart stopped the next morning. Can I just say it this way? The same way as Joanne Curry with her husband Robert, Jezebel has a sinister plan. Always. And so Jezebel, was there a woman named Jezebel there in the city of Thyatira? No, there was not. There was a prophetess at the premier temple in the city that was beginning to seduce and draw Christians from the the church. And they were beginning to mix their Christian faith with the faith that this prophetess was expressing. Okay? And they likened her. The the, 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 the revelator likens her to Jezebel. In other words, he sees the spirit in this woman as that of the spirit of Jezebel. He, this prophetess in that city of Thyatira, is compared to the, the Jezebel of the Old Testament. And a prophet is one who speaks. Don't miss this. Ready? A prophet is one who speaks. And I'm telling you right now, there's a prophetess in the land that is speaking boldly today. There is one that is speaking this deceptive lie that is creating a Christianity that is not really a Christianity at all. There's a prophetess, the spirit of Jezebel, speaking into this world just like there was 2,000 years ago in Thyatira, just like there was 1,200 years Before that, I was trying to get my math right, 1,200 years before that, the time of Ahab. So who is Jezebel? Who, Who was she? In 1 Kings and 2 Kings, you'll see the person, actual person named Jezebel. She was a Phoenician princess who worshiped Baal, the pagan god of fertility. And she married King Ahab, who was the king of the Israelites. Don't marry those people, right? I mean, don't marry somebody that's not walking after you in the level of faith that you have. Oh, but I'll get him saved. No, you won't but I'll get her saved. No, you won't. Like, like like, you go after somebody at your level of spirituality or higher, at your level of growing and hunger for Jesus or higher. And if somebody's not going with you going, hey, that's what the word says. Let's live it. Then don't stay with them. Amen. It takes two. It takes both when it comes to a couple. But Ahab marries this Phoenician princess. She starts to bring in. This is like 874 to 853 BC is when, is when um, um, Ahab was, was reigning. And she persuades him to tolerate her alien faith. She imports 450 priests of Baal from her homeland to come. And in doing so, she begins to kill off the prophets of the land. What is a prophet? I told you earlier, it's one who speaks. The prophets of God speak... Under the unction and the word of God. They speak the word of God. The prophets of Baal are speaking something else. She begins to kill off the voice of the word in the land. The voice of the word in the land she begins to destroy. Don't let that be lost on you, okay? Okay. First Kings 18.4, for when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah, that was a prophet, he took a hundred prophets and he hid them by fifties in a cave and he began to feed them with bread and water. Amen. Some of us need to take this word and we need to begin to feed it, support that word in our life. Find people like an Obadiah that will come and speak that word into you. Find an Obadiah that will come and say, you're wrong. But here's some bread, that's Jesus. Here's some water, that's the moving of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's something that's everlasting, like like find some Obadiah-type friends, not some Jezebel friends that are trying to kill off the word in your life, but Obadiah, who's trying to protect and keep the word of God, amen? We need friends like Obadiah. And as I said, this is the spirit that the church of Thyatira was tolerating, the spirit that was killing off the word of God. It's fine, moral compromise is fine. Spiritual compromise is fine. So when it comes to this idea of tolerance, let's talk about that a little bit, okay? I'm going to kind of just shift shift streams a little bit. What should Christian tolerance look like in our culture? What should Christian tolerance look like in our community and in our our churches? All right? What should it look like? Christianity begins with tolerance. It does. That's why we say we're a come-as-you-are church. Christianity begins with tolerance. But then check this out. Because Jesus, meant the ground at the cross is level. Everybody can come to the cross. Christianity begins with tolerance, but it moves to repentance. Can I tell you right now, the things that challenge you to repentance are not tolerant at all. Jesus says, this is right, this is wrong. This is the way to go. This is the things to flee. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean they're not loving. It would be a loving person, the sister of Robert Curry. Do you know Joanne Curry got out in in, in 2016? She served 20 years. She did a plea bargain. Instead of death penalty, she confessed to everything because they were struggling to prove it because where he worked had some thallium. She confesses to everything. She gets 20 years, and they made her serve every minute of the 20 years. Every minute. But that sister, I forgot what her name was, of Robert Curry, she definitely, she definitely wouldn't be tolerating this, you know? There'd be a point where this is wrong, Joanne, if she knew. Stop this. This is wrong. So Christianity begins with tolerance, but then it moves to repentance and change. But Jezebel, she wants to silence the voice of the prophets, she wants to silence the voice of the word in our lives, so that that voice of the Lord that represents the word of God, we don't heed, we don't listen to, and so change doesn't occur, only only tolerance. The church in Thyatira was being warned that there was another trying to silence God's word through moral and religious Compromise, the problem was this woman down the street, Jezebel they called her this this prophetess, she was winning converts left and right she was, and she was winning converts to a form of Christianity that wasn 't any real kind of Christianity at all. My fear is that 's where the American church, if we 're not careful that 's where the American church will go we 'll go down that path to where our tolerance. Will allow us to allow a form of Christianity to be a developed. Do you hear me at home? Be developed that isn't any Christianity whatsoever. That should break our hearts. That should make us prideful. That should make us arrogant. I hope you can hear my heart today. I am not perfect. I'm being perfected. Amen? But you'll never be perfected making tolerant excuses for everything that you allow in your life and in the lives of your friends and family and those. That you want to speak truth to in love, amen? It was severely detrimental to the church, what was going on there in Thyatira. And it was detrimental to the true work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Christian tolerance, yes, I I, I get that we need, let's, let's call it legal tolerance. We need legal tolerance, amen? Like Christian tolerance, and it doesn't mean like we look at something and say, you're not allowed to do that, you know? You can't be a Buddhist. Well, no, they can be whatever they want, you know? Thank God. If you are going to get mean to somebody, get mean to a Buddhist. They're nice, okay? But no, you're, they, they can do, there's legal tolerance. As Christ followers, I think we should be legally tolerant, you know? I mean, we can talk about what Christian tolerance is and isn't. It's, Christian tolerance isn't legal intolerance, amen? So let's talk about that just for a second. Um, should we practice legal tolerance in culture? Yes. Amen? Everybody say yes. Meaning we believe Muslims have the right to worship. We do. You know, I'll fight for that right. Jehovah Witnesses have a right to worship. Mormons have a right to worship. Buddhists, atheists, agnostics, agnostics have a right to worship. Their worship services are boring because there's no good songs for agnostics, you know? <laughs> but still, they have a right, right? They're welcome to their belief. It's not what we agree with, but we'll tolerate it. Amen? That's legal tolerance. Should we have legal tolerance of other views? Yes. Other religions, yes. Other ideologies, yes. Other perspectives, yes. Legal tolerance. I love Jesus, all right, but I'm not expecting everybody else to. I love his word, but I'm not expecting everyone else to hold themselves accountable to this word. I love it, and I want them to love Jesus too. So yes, we should, because Christianity is not a religion or belief system that is imposed. Amen? It's not a religion that is imposed on others. It is something that is is proposed. It is something that we model, and people can come and be a part of that. But loving Jesus doesn't mean that we just pass a law that says everybody has to love Jesus. It does not work that way. We don't impose Christian faith, but we propose Christian faith. All right. In other words, I want people to love Jesus. I want people to follow Jesus. I want people to serve Jesus. Why? Because he loves them. He has a better plan for them. He has a purpose for them. But from a legal standpoint of tolerance, I'm okay. I get it if you're not going to follow him. I'm not going to even hold you accountable to the the word that he has. You know? But when you're a Christ follower, this is the church in Thyatira. That's different. We hold each other accountable to the word of, of God. So if somebody comes along and says, do you tolerate other religions? Yes, you say. I do. I defend the right of religions, ideologies, spiritualities, perspectives that I disagree with. Why? Because I believe in that marketplace of ideas, all right? You throw Christianity in the mix. And what I love about that in that marketplace of ideas, if you really throw Christianity in the mix, it will win every time. Its truths will prevail every time. And I don't get ugly with people when I'm dealing with that. Why? Because I'm called a Christian, not a jerk. Amen? But when it comes to the house of faith, we have patience with each other. All right? But we speak challenge to each other. We speak life to each other. We, especially as you build, build relationship and community together. And, and to look and say, don't judge me. No, no. It's okay for us to point to the word. Now, I'm not telling you to run down everybody in the hallway. Look what this says. Look what this says. I'm just, I'm just saying we need to be bettered by the word. Amen? Not just tolerant of those things. So, Here's the problem with that. You can read the word and get a moral conviction. All right? And man, I get moral convictions and I'm not going to tolerate anything less than the moral conviction I'm receiving from the word. Because it's the truth of Jesus. Everything. Let every other man be a liar. Hallelujah. But then I get emotional confliction. Why? Because I have friends that call themselves Christ followers. That will tell me why it's okay for them to do whatever they want to do. Not be constrained by the Holy Spirit. Not be constrained by the word. Do whatever they want to do. With no heart of repentance. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying struggling and stumbling. I, I'm saying do whatever they want to do. With no heart of repentance. And, but they're my friends. Or family. Or church member I love. And I get emotional confliction. I don't want to be the one that has to. But look what the scripture says. Am I alone in that? Anybody else? Think about it right now. There's somebody in your life. You know what the word, and you know what you want for the word to be in their life, and they call themselves a Christ follower, or maybe it's your own self, you know, but there's an emotional confliction. I I get that. And that's where we start to to embrace tolerance because it's a whole lot easier. Christianity starts with tolerance. It's that come as you are, and then Jesus begins to say, I'm going to change you. And if we never call people to repentance... If we never say the way you're thinking is wrong, the way you're acting is wrong, the lifestyle you've chosen is wrong, the identity you're embracing is wrong, and I'm not saying you do that in an ugly way, you do it in a very loving way, but if we never do that, if we never say the actions that you celebrate are ones that should be mourning, then we're no longer being Christians, we're no longer being faithful to those that we do life with that say they're Christ followers. So, pastor, are we saying that we're just all going to start judging everybody? No, please don't get that from what I'm saying, okay? We judge ourselves first. And I pray this teaching today is helping us to understand that tolerance is what brings forth moral compromise and spiritual compromise. We've got to let the word speak. Remember the voice of Jezebel. I'm sorry, the work of Jezebel is trying to silence the voice of the prophets, and so, yes, you're right. It's hard. When a moral conviction becomes an emotional confliction, it's tough. For some of you, it makes sense. And you'll say, just like me, I'm going to live this. This is, I'm holding the word. I'm holding it. But then emotionally it gets tested when you love someone who's gone astray. Right? But listen, we've got to hold the line. That's what Jesus was saying to this church. You've tolerated Jezebel. You've got to hold the line. The truth is the truth. Jesus is the Lord. People need to repent. That starts with me, that repentance. That starts with you. You're not perfect. You need him first. And then as you go to him for yourself, then you can humbly proclaim to others that he wants life change in all of our lives as well. That might be your mom or your dad. You know, they decided that they wanted to try a new form of spirituality. And it's got you freaked out. You know? Whatever that might look like. And it's got you like, what in the world are they doing? Maybe your spouse decides they want to start going to a church that doesn't ever talk about sin or repentance or, or Jesus. Talk about everything else but that. And so now you have this moral, yeah, but oh, I'm conflicted emotionally. I have this conviction, but my emotions are conflicted. Maybe your best friend or your child says, I know what the Bible says about X, Y, and Z, but I don't feel convicted about this, so I'm going to continue in this decision or this path. All of a sudden, what moves from a mental conviction becomes an emotional confliction in that moment. And it's easy, like that church in Thyatira, to start just showing tolerance. I have this against you. You tolerate Jezebel. You tolerate the one that's trying to shut the voice of the word up. I mean, you're, you're, you're in a small group and just as you're dealing with your friends, and I'm not talking about somebody you first meet, but people you've done life with and you're thinking, oh man, are they not a Christian? I mean, like they're, they're having these ideas and stuff. Are, are they going to hell? Are they wrong? When I talk to them about sin and struggle, they actually smile. They laugh about it. They say they're happier than they've ever been. They may even say, but I feel even closer to Jesus now than I've ever felt. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to have that moral conviction when you have that emotional confliction. And this is where we need to humbly hold the line, humbly tell the truth, humbly love, and serve them well. Amen? Humbly. Everybody say humble. Humble. Not arrogant. Not having it all figured out. Partnering, I'm still struggling with this too. But we're the church of Jesus Christ. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We're the bride of Christ. I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice in my own life to tolerate things. And there's times I do. And every time I do, it just messes things up. Amen? So we humbly hold that line. To the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, whose fear like burnished bronze. Holy, he sees all. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, who says she speaks on, the, on behalf of God. You tolerate something that's separate from this word. We can't. We can't do it. No matter how much emotional confliction we have, church, we can't. You know why? Because the church belongs to Jesus. Amen? The church belongs to Jesus. Jesus is the one who has the right to say whether you and I, individually and collectively, are being obedient or disobedient. I don't have that right. He has that right. Whether our beliefs are orthodox or whether our beliefs are heretical, he has that right, not me. And we will give account to Jesus. You won't give account to pastor. You'll give account to Jesus. Why? Because the church belongs to him. It's Jesus' church. Let me say this more than the church. We belong to him. Amen? And so the church in Thyatira was being warned that there was another trying to silence God's word through moral and religious compromise brought about by tolerance of what was wrong. And it's easy to say, I can't believe how bad that church was. And it's easy for us to look at friends and family and church fellow church members and say, I can't believe they're doing that. I would never. Yes, you would. We all do at times. It's easy. So I don't want us to look out. I want us to look into ourselves personally. And I want us to close with this question. What are you tolerating in your life that makes it difficult to hear and respond to the word of God? That place of meeting, that temple of meeting, that place where you can go to the brazen altar or the, the brazen basin and wash your hands and prepare yourself to come into the presence of the Lord. What is it that you're just passing that place of cleansing? You're just passing, you're just taking, taking it for granted, that place of meeting. What is it that's robbing us from meeting and hearing the voice of God and responding to the voice of God? What in our life are we allowing Jezebel, that spirit, What is it that we're allowing the voice of the word to not be heard and responded to? Remember I said this is a year where we're going to expect to be touched by God and changed by God. And you might say, but pastor, give me a practical. How's a practical? I'm giving you a practical. This is the practical. What am I tolerating right now that robs me from hearing the voice and responding to the voice of God? And it could be something spiritual. It could be sin. It could be your agenda. I never make space enough. I tolerate everything edging my life out agenda-wise to make space enough to hear the voice of God to respond to. I'm not sure what it is for us. I don't want you to think just gross sin. I mean, think just, it could be anything that is trying to cause us to tolerate it to keep us from hearing the voice and responding to the voice of God in our life. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we want to be people that respond to you, hear you, We call you our Lord and our Master, and as your people, God, we are your church. And so today we make a decision to not tolerate the spirit of this this time, but Lord God, to embrace you and to listen to your word over our lives and to respond in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www momentumchurch.tv